Oh, here we are in our last week of reinventing hospitality in a day and an age where distancing is in place and masks are being worn and we can't connect with people the same way. Now more than ever, we need to do what, what I think Christians can do best, and that is extend hospitality to people particularly the stranger, because the word literally means, the word hospitality literally means to love the stranger. And I've got an amazing story for you today of somebody who, who just took that to, to the lengths that Jesus calls us to. His name is Julio Diaz. This is a picture of Julio. And uh, Julio, to me, as I read his story, sounds like the most incredible guy. So he is a social worker in the Bronx, and every day he has a daily routine where he travels home on the number six train, and he gets off at a certain station, and he goes to his favorite diner, and he has a bite to eat on his way home. And one day, Julio got off the number six train in the Bronx, and he was on his way to the diner, and a young man approached him and pulled out a knife, and Julio knew instantly that this was going to be problematic. And so just instinct kicked in for him and he saw this young guy with the knife and he pulled out his wallet and he said here I think this is what you want and the young guy took the wallet and began to walk away and Julio just had this flash of a thought and he said wait a minute you know if you uh you look like you're going to be doing this uh throughout the evening so it's cold out why don't you take my coat as well and he held out his coat to this young guy and the young guy uh, kind of looked at him dumbfounded and kind of said, what are you on about? And Julio said to him, I just figured if you are willing to risk your freedom for a few dollars, then you probably need this, and, and I just want to be able to help. And the young guy was sort of immobilized, and he wasn't quite sure what to do. And Julio said, hey, you know, if you're hungry, I was on my way to the diner, why don't you join me and we'll, we'll share a meal? And so this young man, just who was caught off guard, agreed to go with Julio, and they went to the diner. And while they were eating in the diner, uh, the servers came up and asked uh, Julio how he was doing because he was there every day. The manager came up and asked Julio how he was doing. The dishwashers came out to talk to Julio. And this young guy just sat there with all these interruptions, and he, and he looked at Julio and he said, like, do you own this place? Well, no, I just eat here a lot. But you're so nice to everybody, even the dishwasher. Why are you so nice to the dishwasher? And Julio said, well, because I grew up learning that you should treat people kindly and, and to love people like that. And the young man just sat silent. And Julio said to him, listen, we've had a meal together, and actually you're going to have to pay for it because you have my wallet. And he said, but if you, if you want, um, you know, I could pay for it. And the young guy gave him his wallet back. And he gave him $20 um, so that he could have that on his way out. But he also got the young man to agree to give him the knife. And the young guy went on his way with, with Julio's little bit of money and a completely reformed experience that I think had a huge impact on him. And this story of Julio is a wonderful example of 
somebody living out the teachings that Jesus gave us, what I think are some of the most profound teachings that Jesus gave us. And you can find them in Luke chapter 6. You can also find them in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. But Jesus gave us some absolutely profound teaching. And in this case, uh, the teaching that Julio lived out is this. Jesus was teaching his disciples and and his, his followers, and he said, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, because he's kind to those who are unthankful and wicked, and you must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Jesus lived the teachings that he had grown up with. Sometimes we read these things and we think, yeah, Jesus was God, so that's why he was teaching us this. And I'd like to push back on that today. Jesus grew up as a young Jewish boy turning into a young Jewish man. He grew up in in a life of poverty. We know this from uh, reading about his boyhood and the, the offerings that his parents gave when he was born, uh, indicating that they had very little So here Jesus was, a young Jewish man, a poor Jewish man, living in Roman-occupied territory. And Jesus is giving this most profound teaching, not just of loving the people that that are easy to love, but loving our enemies. And he learned this from the scriptures that he grew up with as a young boy. And here's an example of what I'm talking about. Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. You will heap burning coals of shame on their heads, and the Lord will reward you. Now, you understand that this is hyperbole. This is a, a metaphor, allegory, in the sense that Jesus is, or the, the teacher Solomon is using this as an illustration. You're not literally giving them something to eat and drink and then throwing hot fire on them. But what you are doing is making them rethink their actions to respond with their hatred or their evil with kindness and with good. And it affects people in ways that they may not even realize in the first place. These are some of the teachings that Jesus internalized and he lived them out. And then he called his followers to do the very same thing. Now, it would be one thing if Jesus was uh, living in a palace and gave us this teaching. And sometimes I I feel like when we look at the teaching in Luke chapter 6, where Jesus is saying, love your enemies, if we go back to that one previous, love your enemies, do good to them, it almost sounds like this is ivory tower teaching, doesn't it? It's a little bit theoretical, it's a little bit um, hoity-toity, uh, maybe he didn't really mean it, but I want you to think about the situation that Jesus grew up in. He was, he was a minority, he was in poverty, he had no power, and uh, he was being challenged by the religious leaders of his own people, but he was also living under Roman oppression. And for him to give this teaching is an, is an incredible risk. Let's look at some of the risks that Jesus experienced when he talked about loving enemies alienating his own people 
the people that he knew most, the people that had been living under Roman oppression for, for decades, the people who were living in poverty, who were being um, kept in poverty by those who were over them, even within their own people, Jesus is saying to these people who are following him, love your enemies. And so he risked alienating himself from his very own people because this is so countercultural to the way that they had lived for centuries. And this young man has the audacity to say, love your enemies. But he risked also alienating the cultural leaders of his day. Not so much in our culture, but in first century Palestine, to anger the people who are overseeing the culture around you in your community is a very dangerous thing to do. But even today, we know that if you tick off the wrong people, they can make your life miserable. And this is the risk Jesus took in giving this teaching. And he was living under Roman oppression. And if you want to read about Roman oppression, I encourage you to do that. I think sometimes we have a romanticism of a relationship with with Roman culture. And I encourage you to study Roman culture, all of it, not just the wonderful laws that they gave us and the beautiful roads that they gave us and the great architecture. Look at how they treated the masses of the people that they conquered. And it's in that context Jesus gives this teaching. This is not ivory tower teaching. This is in the trenches teaching from somebody who was living it every moment of his life. And Jesus is saying, love your enemies. Now, there was another example when Jesus said, love your neighbor like you love yourself. And somebody turned to Jesus and said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. And I think a a good question to ask when we look at a passage like Luke 6 is, what does Jesus mean by enemy? If we were to think about our enemies, or if Jesus was talking about enemies, who exactly was Jesus talking about? And what I'd like to do this morning is, is help us reframe our interpretation of this passage here in Luke 6.35, or the Matthew 5, verse 43 passage, where Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, love your enemies or love your neighbors and hate your enemies, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Same teaching, two different people giving us their interpretation, understanding of what Jesus taught with, with intent to lead to something. And I think it's worth unpacking this idea. When Jesus says, love your enemies, what does he mean? Because when we read this, we interpret it. You read this verse here, you read this verse here, Jesus says love your enemies, and you have an interpretation of what that means for you. So I'd like to just explore this a little bit with with all of us here in this moment. And I'm grateful for a man named Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman was a black man who was a theologian who lived in the 20th century. He died, I think, in 1981. And he wrote this little book called Jesus and the Disinherited, and it's this fantastic little book that I recommend uh, you read if you enjoy reading that. It's not a difficult read. But he, he writes about Jesus from the perspective of, of a people in America who have lived under oppression for centuries. 
And in Jesus and the Disinherited, Thurman does this amazing job of talking about different levels of, of our enemies. And what I've done is just taken it, adapted a little bit, and then added some imagery to it to help us kind of understand what Thurman is saying. So let's walk through this morning a little bit. When Jesus says, love your enemies, who is he talking about? So let's look at this first one. Uh, your primary group in your life or your personal group. These are people that you know. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, a lot of us probably interpret from this perspective. We have someone in our life that is a royal pain in the neck. And they are, they're, they're, they maybe, we don't get along with them. We know that they don't like us. We don't like them. They might have hurt us. They might have uh, scammed us. It's somebody that we've got a personal connection with. They're in your primary group. And, and Thurman says, and I think somewhat accurately, when we read verses like this in Luke 6.35, we tend to think of people that we know. And, and those people have a face. And Jesus says, and, and rightly so, when Jesus says, love your enemies, Jesus means these people. And there are parts of us that want to avoid those people. We want to stay away from them. We don't want to interact with them. In fact, we'd love to hurt them if we could. Those are some of the visceral feelings that we have. And Jesus says what God calls us to is something so much beyond that. In fact, God gives us the ability to love our enemies. Where we might not think that we could, he works within us to make that possible. And many of us interpret verses like this under this first grouping, the primary grouping. Thurman says, you know, our enemies go beyond that. There's a deeper level or a broader understanding of who our enemies are. So the second group are what we would call traitors. They are people who are a part of your primary culture, but they bring shame to your culture. These would be people in Jesus' day and age, this would have been tax collectors and prostitutes. And what you need to understand is one of the people that Jesus called into his closest group of disciples was a man named Matthew or Levi, who was a tax collector. They, and yet the, most of the people in his culture considered them scum. And you'll read that phrase, the religious leader said to Jesus, why are you eating with these scum? You can read about that in Matthew 9. And so people who bring shame to your culture, in our day and age, this would be people we would probably say... Um, you know, criminals, uh, drug addicts, uh, pedophiles, uh, some, some uh, people who beat their, their wives or their children. These are people that our world is better without. They bring shame on us. They're traitors. And we have a reaction to them. And Jesus says in Luke 6, Love your enemies. Lend to them when they ask you. Do good to them. When they harm you, repay them with kindness. Thurman doesn't stop there. He says there's a third level to who our enemies are. And that's our moral enemy. Our moral enemy are people who are fundamentally opposed to us in our worldview. They might be from a different culture. They might be within our own culture. And we often see this being worked out in politics when we go to the extremes in politics, the extreme left and the extreme right. 
And they have a fundamentally different worldview that, that not only grates against our worldview, but it comes in full contact with our worldview. And we have a visceral reaction to this type of people or this type of person. In many scenarios, it also includes the oppressors and the oppressed. Often the majority who are the oppressors and the oppressed who are the minority. And in our culture, we have this. It's people with power and wealth who create systems that keep people who are in poverty and in the minority, it keeps them in poverty. And we talk about cycles and circles of poverty. And the system is created to make it very difficult to get out of that. And what you will find within both of these groups is these visceral feelings towards the other. I want you to think about Jesus saying love your enemies. In his primary group, he had friends who betrayed him. His family told people he was crazy. And the people of his primary group who could have embraced him conspired to have him killed. And Jesus said, love your enemies. Jesus hung out with the traitors, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, the scum of the earth. And Jesus said, love your enemies. Jesus lived under Roman oppression, his moral enemy, the oppressors and the majority group. And actually, the, the Romans weren't the majority group. They were the minority group, but they had the power. And as you read Luke 6, if you just keep reading into Luke 7, in Luke 7 verse 1, Jesus interacts with a Roman soldier and heals his son. And I want you to let that sink in. And then a little bit later in Luke 7, Jesus is in the home of a Pharisee who hated what he was teaching and what he was doing. And yet Jesus is eating with them. He went to the home of the Roman official. It is very difficult to continue hating someone when you share a meal with them. And the mugger who tried to mug Julio Diaz discovered that in the most profound way. And so when Jesus is telling us to love our enemies and we see these different levels of enemies, he hosted them or he allowed them to host him. Hospitality is such a wonderful key to allowing us and helping us to learn to love our enemies. There's something I want you to notice about this, and it's this. As you go down each level, as you move from the primary group down into these other two levels, it becomes very easy to dehumanize our enemy. You see, when we move into level two and level three, level one, those enemies, we know them. They have a face. As we move into level two and as we move into level three, one of the things that we do usually subconsciously, is we talk about them in abstract terms. So, so prostitutes and pedophiles and, and wife beaters and, and drug addicts, they're all them, they, that group of people. And we put them in a collective. We group them together because when you group them together, we don't have to worry about the individuals. And we talk about them in third person. Same with our moral enemy or the people who oppress us or maybe, um, maybe the people that we are oppressing and we don't even realize it. And we could get into a whole other 
conversation about, about violence and enemies and how violence is so much more than just physical violence. There's economical violence and psychological violence and social violence. And we could have all those conversations around that. But today I want us to think about how we dehumanize our enemies when we move into these other categories. And this is what happens when we dehumanize our enemies. It makes it much easier to justify our behavior and our attitudes towards them. And this graphic, I think, helps us understand this. When you dehumanize your enemies, you can justify how, what you feel, how you talk about them, and how you behave towards them. And yet Jesus, in all of his wisdom, he goes and he eats with his enemies. And he keeps a face to them. And then he calls us into that, that same kind of life and actually enables us to live that same kind of life, to love our enemies. When we stop dehumanizing, if I could just cover that up, when we humanize our enemies and we learn how to love them, we're behaving like children. I love it. You're such a kid, Paul. You're behaving like a little boy. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I was aiming for. I want us to go back and reread the verse that we just read earlier in Luke 6, 35 and 36. So let's look at this verse again. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then you'll get a reward from heaven and it'll be very great. And you will truly be acting as what? As children of the Most High. When you love your enemies like Jesus calls us to, you are acting like kids. Like God's kids. Because God, if, if, let's go back to that. I'm keeping you on your toes, Wayne. Because God is kind to the unthankful and the wicked. And Luke says, be compassionate like your father is compassionate. When you read Matthew's version, Matthew says, be holy or be perfect like your father is perfect. And we read that and we're like, yeah, that's impossible. Not this. God is compassionate. And when we live like his kids, we're compassionate. How we see ourselves and our identity makes all the difference in how we live out towards other people. So Howard Thurman would say this. Next one. The black one. There we go. Okay. The psychological effect on the individual of the conviction that he or she is a child of God gives a note of integrity to whatever he or she does. I added the word she because I think that's really important. Howard Thurman wrote this in 1976. Uh, different time, different age. And essentially what he is saying is how we view ourselves has a huge impact on everything we do. And Jesus says, you are children of God. You are a child of God. So act like a child of God. Act like a child of God. Love your enemies. So let's come back and let me ask you a few questions. I want you to think about your enemies. What can you do to rehumanize them? There are enemies in your life that you know. And it's not that phrase, you know, we've seen the enemy and he is us. 
Um, you've seen the enemy and it's somebody that you know and you don't like them and you know who they are. You might even be tempted to dehumanize them. But when you move into those other areas, think about the people in your life that you just think the world would be a better place without them. How can you rehumanize them? What ways could you be a host to them? Or how could you let them host you? Hospitality is so huge in how we respond to our enemies. And as a New Life family, and I ask this question very intentionally, I think it would be easy for us to say, as a New Life family, how are we doing at, at loving our enemies? Let's, like, let's celebrate how we're loving our enemies. And every once in a while, I think we just need to ask the question like this. And it's not to be a downer, it's just, like, where are we failing? Where are we failing to love our enemies as God's people? And, and maybe that will help us think through what we need to do how we need to respond, where we're deficient, where we could grow, and have some honest conversations around that. Because those conversations lead to new experiences, new ways of moving together as a family. You know, Jesus says, love your enemies, and this is the beauty of giving your life over to Jesus. This isn't just something that you should do. I always talk about, you know, let's not shit on each other here at New Life, okay? Don't shit on me. You should do this. You should think this. You should act like this. This is a can. When we surrender ourselves to Jesus, it is possible to love our enemies, even when instinctively we may not think it's possible. And so... Just wrapping up, Jesus helps you keep your enemies human so that you can love them. And this is the beauty of Jesus. He lived in the trenches and he taught us from his own experience. And then because the spirit of Christ is still with us, he enables us. He changes our hearts from the inside out. You know, the other week I talked about God rubbing off the edges on us. That happens, but actually what, what happens first is that God blows us up and recreates us. We remain ourselves, but we're entirely new, if that makes any sense to you. And then Jesus actually allows us to keep our enemies human. And when we keep a face on our enemies, we're able to love them. And I think that's the beauty of the gospel. It's one of the most beautiful facets of the gospel. And I encourage you to let that sink in today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Um, for this teaching. This is teaching that doesn't come naturally to us, even as your followers, because we live in a world that resorts first to, to seeking myself and dealing with my enemies in the way that we've grown up knowing, and that's with the use of violence. And you call us into something that is so radically different. And may we be able to embrace that as we give ourselves over to you more and more as you re reshape our heart from the inside out, that our enemies would have faces and that we wouldn't dehumanize them, but that we would see them as, as brothers and sisters of humanity and know that you love them as much as you love us. We were your enemies and you loved us. May we do the very same thing, not only as individuals, but as your family today. 
Thank you for making it possible for us to love our enemies. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here today. Thanks for tuning in. It's been good to explore this series with you. Next week, we're going to have a guest speaker. His name is John Hand. He's with Jesus Collective out of Oakville, associated with the Meeting House, and John will be bringing our our message to us next Sunday. Enjoy the week. Enjoy Thanksgiving, and uh, be careful about how you're gathering. Listen to what we're asked to do. Let's keep the numbers down. Lord willing, we'll see you all next week. Bye for now.